not really entered into the life that God has called us to, the life that Jesus died to provide us with, the inheritance that we have in in God. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. It's the thief, the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10.10. So we will not despise the day of small beginnings and we'll even, even more, we will stand in faith, not living by sight, but living by faith. If you can see it, you can achieve it. Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. So whereas the world teaches us not to get our hopes up, I always try to put that thought down and tell people, you need to get your hopes up. Well, I might be disappointed. Well, then your hopes are not in God, they're in something else. Wrap your hope in God and His faithfulness. Wrap your faith around the plan, the vision, the dream that He's given you and stand on it until He changes it or brings it to fruition and gives you another one. Sometimes we're not believing big enough. We limit God with our small thinking. But the Christian life is a miraculous, supernatural life. And it, a good place to begin talking about that this time of year is with the virgin birth. Jesus came through a virgin as it was prophesied. And it had to be so. The world doesn't believe that. They try to explain it away like they do so many things. They try to give a natural explanation to a biblical, supernatural, miraculous truth. And you can't do it. And you find even in the church sometimes there are those that are succumbing to that sort of temptation regarding the virgin birth. You'll hear stories about them crossing uh, the uh, the children of, of, of God crossing the Red Sea and instead of the Red Sea, the Reed Sea. <laughs> there are lots of things in the Bible they try to explain away. They try to they try to try to balance uh, creation with uh, with uh, evolution, things like that. And it's just not wise to do that. Our lives um, are supernatural and the grace of God is obtained by the faith that God has given us. And if we try to explain it away, just like the message I was preaching about uh, Samson the other week, that the fact is I don't believe Samson was a big brawny man at all. I think he was just like most of us. And he was, his strength came from his faith in the covenant that God had made with his parents. No matter how strong he was, he couldn't have pushed down that theater and killed all those people. He couldn't have killed thousands of God's enemies with the jawbone of an ass and picked up the city gates with the posts that had them in place and walk up the hill and put them down up there. So the better 
the better thinking is to lay all of our strength aside and stop thinking that we can do almost everything and just a little help from God, but to put it all on Him. That way He gets all the glory and He'll continue to shine and to show off in our lives. I want to read a little bit from that leading up to the Christmas story. The inception, I would say, starting in Luke chapter 1. And let's start at the the 26th verse. This is the part where the angel Gabriel announces Christ's birth. Luke 1, verse 26. That's all right. You can study it out later or look off somebody else. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, verse 37, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you, Lord. Verse 27, backing up to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. The, the virgin birth is essential to Christianity. So right there, is a look into the supernatural and the miraculous. And without that, it wouldn't be so. We wouldn't even have a Christian faith. And I'll tell you why. Because mankind produces after its own image, its own kind, doesn't it? And that explains in Genesis uh, chapter 5, verse 3, it says each every seed... After its own kind. Alright? So, man and woman get together. They have a child like them. The problem was that every child from Adam to us is born with a sin nature. 
because of the fall of man. So that corrupted seed is in everyone. And it wouldn't have done us any good because we were stuck on four. (laughs) In other words, we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and then they created, didn't they? And into that creation entered corruption through sin. So there we were, stuck, unable to do anything to undo that, unable to save ourselves. But we needed, God had given the authority in this realm to us, to man, and we gave it away. We lost it. We corrupted it. We had no means of saving ourselves. We were hopeless because we needed, it was man that gave it back, gave it away to Satan. It was man that had to fix it. But you couldn't do it with that corrupted seed. So we needed something else. We needed God to step in like he did. And thank God for the number five, which is redemption or grace. And that's where Jesus comes in. Because he wasn't born of an earthly father like we all were. His father was, was God. He is God. And his mother was natural. So... He had the best of both worlds. The corrupted seed of Adam was not in her, but he was born through a woman and he lived the life without sin. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 7, 2, that the uh, Messiah would come through a virgin and it was, it was so. If we would have had that sin nature... If he would have had that sin nature, he wouldn't have been able to be a kinsman redeemer because he would have needed saving himself, you see. So it had to be supernatural. But he came, God became man. He dwelt among us. He was crucified on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead and he lives today. And by putting faith in the atonement, the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, we now have by faith a renewed spirit in us. That corrupted sin nature has been evicted. The spirit of God has renewed our spirit and we've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. One third of our salvation is done. Amen. Amen. By faith in the the atoning grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, look down at verses 28 and 29. And the angel came in unto her to Mary and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was troubled at what he said. What did he say? And she wondered what manner of salutation this should be. He said, hail. (laughs) In other words, he was he was saying it's it's from the word in Greek called Cairo, which means uh, glad or joy or rejoice. In other words, it was a happy salutation. And then he called her blessed, didn't he? Or highly favored of God. And that's what bothered her. (laughs) What manner of salutation this is? Why? Let me ask you a question. How do you see God? 
How do you see God, the Father? Because this is something to really think about because this is where most people are limiting their access to something that's already been put on their account. In other words, because of Jesus, now we can run boldly right into the throne room of God. Right into Daddy's office. A place where only one priest once a year used to be able to go and they tied a rope around his leg in case he had sin in his life if he went into Holy of Holies. He would be knocked dead and they would have to drag him out with a rope. Why? Because nobody else could go in there either. They all had sin in their life. Now we could just run boldly in there. Sinners as we have been. But if we don't understand that relationship, how God feels about us. In other words, I think... If the angel would have came and rebuked Mary and said, woe to you, she might, she might have received it a little better. She might have been, because she came from a, a culture of legalism, you know, do good, get good, do bad, get beat. And you know, Mary was not without sin. Nobody born of man, except for Jesus, was ever sinless. So it probably scared her a little bit. You ever read the Old Testament law? <laughs> Every time I read it, I say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen, <laughs> Amen right? <laughs> so my point is, do we see our Father, our Heavenly Father, as, as judgmental towards us, as mean, waiting to hit us with a lightning bolt? We step out of line. I think we... We don't want to see him that way, but I think we often do. And I think that Mary did expect that angel to, to bless her like he did or tell her she was highly favored. And uh, that may have been why she was wondering what manner of salutation this was. But it's important that we think of God as he really is, which is good. As someone who loves us, as someone who has our picture in his wallet. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Mary's faith made her forgiven. But I want to tell you something. If you have Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, if you've been born again, as Jesus said is necessary in John 3, 3, and you've received, you've had that encounter with the Lord, a real experience where you have humbled yourselves and repented of your sin and, and asked him to be your Lord and Savior, then you're saved. And you know what? You're in greater standing today with God than Mary was. That might be hard if any of you come from Catholicism where they're still praying to her. But I have news for you. She can't hear you. So quit that. <laughs> Why do you have a better standing with God than Mary did? Because Jesus' work is finished. Look at, if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 11. Just hold your finger where we were. It's just one book back. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Matthew 11. 11, 11. <laughs> That's easy to remember. This is the reason I want to go back there instead of just telling you is because I want you to underline it if you have it. Jesus speaking. So, maybe we'll... Give him some heed here. Matthew 11, verse 11. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, among them 
that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. That's his, that's his cousin that, was Mary, that Elizabeth was preg- pre- pregnant with, that the angel just told Mary about. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You see that? So Jesus had come, born under the law, to fulfill the requirements of the law and to make a way for us back to God. Amen? But at that point, it had not been done. But he's saying, up until that time, no one born of, of man was greater than John the Baptist, and he came after Mary. But any of you today that have received Jesus in the new birth, Even if you're least in the kingdom of heaven, you're greater than all of those that came before, waiting for what you already have now. Amen. I think that's important. Ephesians 1 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You know that word accepted there in the King James? is the same word that the angel used speaking to Mary when he said she was highly favored. Same word. So you can interchange those words if you like. You have been made highly favored, accepted in the beloved, adopted. When Paul wrote about us being adopted into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, He was talking to a people in the Roman culture. They knew he was often in the Bible. They often spoke about things just like Jesus did parables and natural things that people understood. You know, the same way when he said that we have been adopted into the family of God in the Roman law. Anyone adopted had the same rights and privileges as the natural born child themselves, even if they had been a slave, as we were. Amen? Amen. We're accepted. We're highly favored in the beloved. And God wants us to know that. You know, are you familiar with the story of Enoch? He's one of the two people in the Bible who did not die a natural death, along with Elijah, right? And I believe he'll be one of the two that come back. He and Elijah, I believe, will be the prophets that they speak of in Revelation. Because it says there's once for man to die and then the judgment. So they didn't die, so I think they're going to come back and and do that. But it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about here. I just think that's interesting. But you know, it was Enoch's testimony that he pleased God. We think of Enoch, oh man, he was a friend of God. He pleased, pleased God and he was taken up. Without having to die. You know you know who said that he had pleased God? It was Enoch that said he was pleasing to God. I think that's important. That we talk like that. You know, I, I, I hope that each one of you will, will look in the mirror today and this week and just say, God likes me. He not only loves me, he likes me. He's proud of me. You know, I, I'm... I'm sure one of the the blessed people of the world that got to hear his voice actually say that to me, and uh, and I, it was it was almost more than I could handle. 
But Jesus it says it's more blessed if you don't have to hear a natural uh, a voice or, or see him to to believe the Bible. That's why he always points to the Bible. That's why on the road to Emmaus that day after he was risen from the dead, those two of his disciples that were walking to Emmaus and he was walking with them. He disguised his appearance and they didn't recognize him. And they were all dejected because they were saying, haven't you heard? Like, where have you been, man? This Jesus, who we believed was the Messiah, was the one to come. He was killed and blah, blah, blah. In other words, as if it weren't so that everything he was supposed to do had been done. And he said, he opened up the scriptures to them and began to reveal himself, not naturally, but through the scriptures, beginning with Moses and all the way up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Why did he do that for your benefit today? He didn't reveal himself until they asked him to stay for dinner when they got to their destination. And then he did when he, when he broke the bread and then he, he vanished. But he didn't do it before when he could have avoided all that conversation and the long walk, you see. He did it because even after he's gone, he knew that this is what would stay. Even after all of this is gone, everything that we know, this is what will remain. The word of God. Amen. Amen. And that's why he did that. There's lots of examples of that very thing. Even when, when we see things and or hear things, we always are supposed to be bouncing it off of the truth that we find in the word of God. Amen. Because it's going to remain steady no matter what. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are gone. Behold, all things are become new. That's again a picture of that spiritual rebirth. We're three-part being according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Spirit, soul, and body. When we're renewed, it's our spirit that is renewed. And now our mind, our our soul, our personalities, our mind, our will and emotion is being renewed as we undo all the stinking thinking of the world that's continuing to go in and has been put in, all the garbage in we're having to reconcile to the truth found in God's word. And when we bear our cross and lay down what we think we know and agree with what God says, then we're being renewed in our minds, in our soul, amen. But God is a spirit. John 4, 24. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the only spiritual awareness that we have is not with these five senses. You might go somewhere and a good preacher or a psalmist might give you a goosebump. You might get a great word from God, make your hair stand up. But this is more sure. Amen. Amen. And we need to come into agreement. That's what it is to walk after the spirit. We're called... To walk after the Spirit. It's just walking in agreement with God. Walking in love, basically. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have Christ, you have been reconciled to God. You're in good standing with God. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. God is not dealing with you based on your behavior anymore. I know you think that sounds crazy, but it's true. If, I hope Jesus can die for your future sins because he only died once for them. That was 2,000 years before you were born. Amen. Amen. 
I, that's what I tell people all the time. I, I live a, a relatively holy life. The only struggles I have is once in a while on the road, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I may not love my wife as perfectly as I should, but I, I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good because I really believe in the power of marriage and, and the fact that uh, when, we, when we step out of God's love, when we step out of God's truth, we step out of the light and into the darkness by choice because nothing's compelling us to do that anymore, right? Because we have a new nature now. We're not dual nature. Well, it opens doors for the devil. And when we have strife in our life, we have bitterness and unforgiveness, when we do things that we shouldn't, it opens doors. It gives the enemy a legal authority in some way to come in spiritually and and, uh, you know, there's enough things that enough bad things happen to good people just because it's a fallen world without us inviting things to happen. Amen. Because the enemy is looking for opportunity. He's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for someone whom he may devour. Whom may he devour? Those who give him access. You give him access by walking contrary to the truth of God's word. But, you know, every every seed we reap a harvest after its own kind, just like we were talking about with man. Everything is in seed form. Love, our time, our words. Good thing with God is that we can believe for some crop failure if we have Jesus. We can run right back into the light, run to the throne room of grace. That's the whole point of understanding how much God loves us and how accepted we are in him. And the fact that he already knows everything about us, everything we have done and will do, and he loves us anyway, so quit running from him and start running to him. As quickly as we realize we've stepped out of the light, run right back, knowing that there's no judgment waiting for us at the throne. Amen. Amen. And if we continue running away from him, we're running right into the arms of the thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy Luke one thirty seven, which is getting to the end of the passage of Scripture we're started on today, says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. Hmm. Well, I know that, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, now I'm a new creation. I'm reconciled to God. I've entered into this supernatural, miraculous life. My sins are forgiven past, present, and future. Romans 6.14 puts it like this, that the grace of God had freed me from sin's dominion. Because I'm under grace, sin has no power over me anymore. So the, the falsehood is that you know, we hear people say a lot, unfortunately, and uh, uh, that trend is growing and it needs to be countered in the body of Christ that, that you know, uh, Jesus died, died for us all. Okay, true enough. And that I just do the best I can and the grace of God covers the rest. That's a lie. The grace of God doesn't cover anything. The grace of God frees us from the power of sin in our lives and it empowers us to be and to do. 
to be what God has called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. So there's no hindrance. There's no demonic oppression that we can say the devil made me do it or kept me from doing it because he has no power over you anymore because you're under grace and not under the law. Amen. But he's telling Mary that nothing shall be impossible with God. But is that true that all things are possible with God? I love that scripture. I use it all the time. But I don't, I have to counter that a little bit. And I think you'll agree with me because it, in Hebrews, just a few examples, it, it talks about the fact that God can't lie. That sounds silly, I know, but he can't do that. God can't fail. He can't be depressed. He can't lie. That's Hebrews 6.18. He can't, according to Hebrews 6.4, someone can't fall away from God after they have known the salvation and then be born again, again. Some things just can't happen. We know it's impossible to please God without faith. That's Hebrews 11.6. So there's some things that are impossible. Even if they... Sounds silly, but he said it himself. If he, if he were to lie, everything we know would come undone. On a molecular level, this would all just go, including us. Thank God he can't lie. It's not like O.A. Blinken, who, or was it George Washington? Yeah, he, he could not tell a lie, right? I used to know a guy who said, oh, oh, George couldn't tell a lie. I can, but I won't. <laughs> but God just, he can't lie. He can't fail. He can't get discouraged. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Once again, always going back to the Word. Seems like when Miss Cheryl's here, that's that's the that's the that's the Word is the Word. Amen. And it's the truth all the time. This is how I always preach. Is that it's the Word of God that He's talking about? Because what did Mary say? She said, let it be unto me according to thy word, didn't she? According to thy word, let it be unto me. So by faith, she received of the Holy Spirit the impregnating seed of the word of God. Amen. The word of God, when in Matthew 14, remember I I had a message a a few weeks ago about Peter walking on the water. I think you were here and I said, I said, Peter didn't walk on the water, did he? What did he walk on? The word come. That word come had enough power in it to accomplish what he had called Peter to do. And it just happened to be water between them, but it wouldn't have mattered if it was a brick wall. He'd have walked right through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So she received by faith that word and the Holy Spirit was there just like he was when he was hovering over the, the waters of the earth when it was formless and void. And when God spoke, it was so. The word of God. And see, God, he, they... 
Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They were talking and they said, let's create them in our image. So you have the same creative power that, that God does. You're a creative being just like your father. He created you in his image. He's a spirit. And now we are spiritual beings too. We are a spirit with a soul riding around in this body. We need to be mindful of our knowledge. This word, this is the word we need to be speaking. Because when we step out of the light into the darkness and we speak out of the light in the darkness, we speak worldly, we speak negatively, we speak violently, we curse instead of bless, we're creating, but not for God. We're creating for the wrong team. See, the devil wants to get you to do some creating for him because he has no authority without you. And if you fall for his tricks, you'll do just that. You're forming your tomorrow with your today's words. And I think it's beautiful that they describe it this way because John had it right. In, the, in John 1.14, he said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word was from God, was with God, was from God, and it became Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Isn't that cool? What has God said to you today? Because you know, He's always talking. One of the biggest things that I get from people, you would think I have a huge congregation as much as I stay on the phone with people. Besides marriage, it's, I, it's like I, I need a word from God. I can't hear God. You know, and they say how they're so blessed that I'm so happy that I hear God the way that I do. It's, it's not like it's not like they think. I don't think. I don't just pick up the phone and he's there. You know, you have to cultivate that, that hearing. And I'm I'm just like everybody else in the sense that a lot of times I'm saying, God, is that you? You know, remember John the Baptist when he was in. His whole life was the ministry that he lived out perfectly just announcing that Jesus was coming. He was so anointed, he just went out in the middle of the desert and started preaching. Somebody came by and heard him and he was so anointed, they went and told others. And pretty soon they were all out there. (laughs) Nothing fancy about that fellow. And he knew who Jesus was. That was his cousin he heard about him his whole life. He heard about everything and the story that I'm telling you. Because Mary and Elizabeth, they all knew what was going on. They told John who he was. They told him who his cousin was. And when he saw him, he knew. There he is. And my point of that is once when he had a little pressure, not a little, he a lot. He was in prison and they were going to kill him. He sent his messengers, go ask him if... If he's the one we were waiting for, should we expect another? (laughs) Even he, you know. And you know what Jesus did? Wow, that's a good point because we're talking about the word. You know what Jesus did? 
John's disciples came and Jesus was out there preaching and teaching, right? And they asked him this question. And he didn't answer right away. He let them hang out and they watched him heal the sick and open blind eyes and preach about the kingdom of God. There were lots of prophecies about Jesus doing that very thing that John was very aware of. And he told them, you go tell him what you have seen and heard. That the sick were healed, the blind eyes were opened, the kingdom of God was preached. And and blessed is he who's not offended in me. Because he was getting a little irritated basically and walking in faith and getting offended with Jesus. And so they went and told to tell him. And when they were gone, or as they were gone, after probably where they couldn't hear him anymore, he turns to all the people who were left and he tells them, no one born of man was greater than John. He starts building John up and all this. But he didn't tell that to his disciples to go tell him how wonderful he was and how be encouraged and all that. No, what did he do? He pointed him to the word. He pointed him back to the word. Because he knew that John knew the word and he was and he was he had faith in, and trust in God's word. So he reminded him everything that's that's written, it's happening. So he'll know by that that it's me again. Nothing in the flesh. Just point him to the word because it's a sure thing. It's the real deal. We are supernatural beings. This is a supernatural, miraculous book. We do not need to blend with the world. We shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't believe like the world. We should be putting our trust in the promises regarding us in this book. Every promise, every good thing that God has done for anyone is for you today. If you will just wrap faith around it and stand and believe and remind him of what he has said. Because he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. You love him today? The Bible says we love him because he loved us first. Do you know how much he loves you? I hope you do. And I'm going to ask him to keep on showing you and causing you to believe it. Because that belief is what's going to compel you to act on it in faith. Amen. Father, thank you for this word today. We thank you for those who have heard it. We ask that you help them to protect the seed of your word and guard it. Do not let the enemy steal it from them, which is his his duty to try and do, we guess. But he's a loser, Lord, and we will not let him. We will not let him steal this word. It's going to take root and bear fruit in our lives. And we're going to let it grow up and benefit us as we walk and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and help others to do the same. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful time of year as the world uh, remembers your son in song and, and in and, uh, relationships. And, and we just ask that you help us to find ways to always remind others to include you and to put you first uh, in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.